as we continue our series that we've titled Inspired, I want to share with you uh, just a few thoughts out of First and Second Peter today. First and Second Peter, we uh, had the opportunity last week to kind of co-teach with my son, which was such a privilege for me uh, that Benji and I could spend some time uh, sharing uh, with you guys. And uh, I mean, what a highlight. I never thought he, he and I would ever do that, honestly. And just over the last few years, what God has been doing in his life has been so encouraging. Uh, but to, to be able to continue the series, we're kind of finishing it up now. Uh, and, and today, we're going to just stay with a few thoughts out of First and Second Peter. Now, who is Peter? When you read the scripture, when you read and study scripture, outside of Jesus Christ, Peter and Paul were the two rock stars of the New Testament. Study it. I mean, John the Beloved gets some ink. He's kind of a cool guy. Uh, Barnabas, some other guys show up in Scripture, Timothy, whatever. But the two main rock stars are Peter and Paul. Paul is used by God to write the majority of the New Testament. But Peter's one of those guys that kind of stands out. Now, Peter is a radical fisherman. He's, uh, he's introduced and comes to faith, if you will, in Christ in his late teenage years. He's a risk taker. He's a fighter. He's a loud mouth. Uh, Peter was the kind of guy probably that if you were hanging out with him at a, at a ball game, he would pick a fight with somebody on the other side. When you study that he took out the sword and cut the dude's ear off, it's not because he was aiming at his ear. He was aiming at his throat and he missed. Peter was a rough dude. He was ambitious. He was enthusiastic. He was energetic. And at times he was very, very misguided because he was driven by emotions. Anybody ever been there? Coach, you ever been there? Just misguided, man. I got great enthusiasm. I got great emotion, but I'm not always uh, directed. Then years later, years later, he's matured. He's calmed down. God's used him a lot. He's spoken. Thousands have gotten saved. Many things have happened. And you fast forward about 20, 30 years, and Peter writes what we have now is the first and second writings of first and second Peter. And he writes as a mature guy who's offering comfort and hope to others to say, hey, I know life can be tough at times. I know you're going to go through suffering. There's going to be pain in your life. These false teachers, false prophets, all these, all these people are showing up. But I, I want to write to y'all to encourage y'all to stay with it and comfort you in the midst of chaos. That's what you pick up when you read First and Second Peter. Now, First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 in verse 13, I want to play off of just two verses for you today. Nick and the praise team just saying. But verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope, hope, hope. First, Peter chapter 1, verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope. Now, as we move into this week and just this season that we call holidays, what is hope? 
hope. It's a word that we use often, is it not? But it carries very little meaning if we're not careful. Hope has become a word that just really means wishful thinking. Man, I hope I get whatever for Christmas. I hope that I pass uh, this test. I hope. And hope has been reduced down to just kind of wishful thinking. We live in a world that appears to be flooded with hopelessness. Think about it in your own life. Hopelessness, pressure, the demands of life. People are exhausted and tired and fatigued and weary. Does that sound like you? Overwhelmed, just overloaded with so much stuff, overcommitted. And all of a sudden at times we sit there and we're like, I'm exhausted. I don't know if I can go on anymore. And the pressures and the demands of life, whether it's you or whether it's a loved one, some of the stuff that you're dealing with, so many people, you just go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, just feeling hopeless. You look around at others that appear to be blessed. Look, why is God's hand so strong on that person's life over there? And here I am, all I do is just battle, disappointment, and just discouragement and my life just seems to be falling apart. My life is tough right now. You ever feel that way? And if we're not careful, we start to move into this time of year, and we can get, we can get beat up. You, you can get knocked down, and some people don't get back up. So here would be my question. Here would be my question. Who do you want to become in life? Who, who do you want to be? What, what do you want to become with your life? And then you must ask the question, am, am the road that, that, that I'm taking right now, is this road that I'm taking right now really leading me to where I say I want to be? Now listen to me, you're a teenager, you're a young adult or whatever. What's your vision? Where are you at right now? Because when you do not have a vision or an aim or a goal or something that you're shooting at, it leads to major frustration apathy and regret. There's so many people that I deal with day in and day out, even family members. And I look and I, I'm like, like David would write in the Psalms, why so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so frustrated? And when you don't have like a real vision for your life, the scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. But when you don't have a vision or a real goal in your life, you kind of move from crisis to crisis. You, you find yourself just kind of living in crisis management all the time. And it's like, what am, I, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I here? And when you don't have that aim or that goal, you, you just find yourself just kind of spinning. It's like, man, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Apathy? When your heart is not consumed, it's easy to become just apathetic and just lethargic where you almost don't care. And I see so many people throwing in the towel and so many people just kind of giving up. And it's like, what, what's wrong? What, what do you want to be? Who, who do you want to become? What, where do you want to go with your life? I don't know. I'm tired. I, I, I just, I just want to check out. And I promise you that this time of year, this time of year, there's more sedating and medicating with drugs and alcohol than any other time of the year because people are flooded 
with the anxiety and pain. They're trying to cope. They're going through a first holiday season without a loved one or after going through a divorce or whatever, after they've been betrayed or rejected. And this time of year can just eat your lunch. It's like, what, 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 what are you doing? I'm frustrating. What are you doing? I'm apathetic. And, and so many people live with, with regrets. You, you'll hear this phrase. I, I just wish that if, if I would have only done this, if I could go back and have a mulligan, if I could only have done that, man, it would have changed the trajectory of my life. We're doing a wild game dinner about 15 years ago down in Griffin, Georgia. And, I, and I'll never forget, we're driving down uh, 1941 from like a Fayette County, that area, whatever, to get down into Griffin, Riverdale area going down. And we stop at this traffic light just right as we get into Griffin. And there's like a Goodyear Firestone. And there's some dudes over there, man, changing tires. And you see stuff going on at the Lubrack. And, and we're no better than anybody. But Foxworthy and I were doing that wild di game dinner. And he looked at me and he said, I'm one decision away from being under that Lubrack right now. And it hit me. I'm sitting there going, do what? He said, think about it. And I'm like, man, that's where I am. I'm one decision away of screwing up something so royally. It's like, what happened? Why didn't you go to college? Because I got kicked out. What, what happened, Tim? I screwed it up. But praise God for his grace. And a lot of people throw the towel in it. It's like, stop. Come on, come on. Get back in the race. Get, get back in the race. Don't empower your previous failure is being your destination in life. Does this make sense to you? I believe today, people coming in here going, I want to believe there's more. I want to believe I can win, and you can. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused you to be born again to a living hope. You will never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. What are you pursuing with your life? What are you chasing after today? What do you want to become? Where do you want to be? Now, the Bible defines hope. And I want you to get this. The Bible defines hope as a confident anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's guidance. Hope. It's a favorable outcome. It's a favorable outcome under God's guidance. And here's, here's what hope thinks, and here's what hope believes, and here's what hope leans into. Listen to me. It's, it's confidence that says this, what God has done in the past that he allowed me to even to be a part of guarantees that I get to participate in what he's going to do in the future. God has been faithful in the past. God has rescued, God has led, God has delivered. God has done some stuff in my life in the past. And hope presses in and says, what he's done in the past because of his faithfulness, as I press into him, guarantees that I get to participate in what he's going to do in the future. I want to live with hope. Don't you want to live with hope today? 
Don't you want to believe that there's more than stable misery? So hope is confidence in God. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Hope is confidence in God. And hope is persevering in faith. If, if faith is the engine, hope is the fuel. They, they, they go side by side. Kenny, we were talking about this earlier today uh, before you guys moved into just the prayer time this morning, right? But if, if faith is the engine, hope is the fuel. You can't separate faith and hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is that confident anticipation that, God, you're going to do something, and I get to participate in it. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. So, so please, 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 every person under my voice, memorize one three. Memorize that. I memorized this first years ago. Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he's caused me to be born again to a living hope. And once you start to, to press into the Lord and you start to experience the living hope of Christ, it leads to encouragement. You will start to walk in encouragement and encouragement leads to desire and desire leads to change and change leads to a better future. What happened? I was born again to a living hope. And this living hope that God has placed inside of me will not disappoint. I'm encouraged now. I have desire now. I have desire to grow now. I have desire to change now. God is doing something, and I believe he's going to continue to be at work both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. He's conforming me into his likeness. He's for me. Hope, would you press into hope today? Howard Hendricks, one of my favorite writers. Howard was that great prof at Dallas Theological Seminary, and Howard died a few years back. But Howard, uh, he made this observation, uh, talking about discouragement. He said, powerful definition. He said, discouragement is the anesthetic that the devil uses on a person just before he reaches in and carves out his heart. Discouragement. I'm going to discourage you. It's the anesthetic that the enemy, Satan himself, tries to use before he reaches in and tries to, to pull your heart out. And God goes, no, no, no. I want you to live in hope. But I started noticing that people that live without hope, life has no meaning for you. People without hope, death appears to be victorious. People that have no hope don't know how to dream anymore. They're not looking for anything greater than what they're going through right now. Discouragement replaces joy. Fear replaces faith. Anxiety replaces prayer. You ever noticed you ever notice that when this, the enemy and Satan starts to really discourage you and take you down, and you empower that, that instead of praying and giving thanks to God and worshiping God and making your requests known to God, you start to empower these things going on in your life as being greater than? It's like, why are, you, why are you so anxious? Why are you flooded with anxiety? What is greater in your life? Insecurity replaces confidence. 
Tomorrow's dreams become nightmares. Has anybody been there where you were hopeless? But I want you to know that blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused you to be born again to a living hope. There's living hope that leads to encouragement, that leads to desire, that leads to change, that leads to a better future. But biblical hope is not an escape. Biblical hope is not an escape from reality. When you start to move into biblical hope, it is alive, it's vibrant, and it's active hope is. It is a confident anticipation of a favorable outcome that God is going to do something in your future. I want you to think about this. Hope produces growth. Here's some simple principles. But hope produces growth growth. People that are walking with biblical hope, living hope. Here's some things I've noticed. Hope will change the way you see yourself. When you're walking in hope, you start to change the way you see yourself. I've seen people who have jacked it up, who have blown it, who have really twisted up their lives big time. And I've heard people say things like this to me, man, I'm just a piece of crap. I don't matter. I'm worthless. I'm just, a, I'm just a waste. When you start to experience the living hope of Jesus Christ and you start to look in a mirror, it will change the way you see yourself. You will say, you know what? This momentary light affliction based on 2 Corinthians 4 is producing an eternal weight. I'm fixing my mind and my focus now on the eternal, not the temporal. And When you've gone through a bad time, when you've been rejected, betrayed, and hurt, crushed, even maybe you, through your own choices, have created these self-inflicted wounds. But when you start to move into living hope, you start to look and you go, I I see myself different now. I don't see myself as a piece of, of trash. I see myself as God's workmanship. I'm created in his image. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not a piece of trash anymore. And I'm telling you, that checkup from the neck up because of the way you start to see yourself. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Or do you see yourself based on the failures and mistakes that you've made in the past? What do you empower as being the definition of who you are? No, seriously. How do you see yourself today? I look in the mirror and I'm like, Tim, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. If God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. He's so crazy about you. He loves you. If you were the only person on the planet, the Savior still would have died for you. Yeah, you would have crucified him yourself. But he would say, kill me because I want to die for you where you can live. I love you. I don't have permission to degrade who I am any longer. I've been bought with a price. I don't belong to me. I've been bought with a price. I belong to Christ. I don't have permission to walk around downcast. You're beautiful. You're loved. You're valued. Here's a second reality. Hope determines what we value. When you start to walk in living hope, it starts to change what you value in life. You start to value what's valuable. Have you noticed that in your own journey? Man, when I was living as a pagan who was lost, I valued a lot of things that 
where wood, stubble, and hay. I'm told to store up treasure in heaven where rust and moth can not enter and screw it up and mess it up or kill it. And I started looking at that going, what, what happened to you? I started to value things that were valuable. I, I started to live with eternity as a backdrop. I started to realize that whatever is going on on any given day is temporal, that I was meant to live for more than this. And I started living with eternity as a backdrop, meaning my destination started determining my preparation every day. Where I was going determined what I packed every day. I'm not going to pack certain things I used to pack because they're not valued. When you start to walk in hope, it changes the way you see yourself. It changes what you value. And it will inspire what you do with your life now. I started getting motivated and inspired to live life differently. In October of 1985, when I came to faith in Christ, I really believed that I was born again to a living hope. It wasn't a dead hope. It wasn't a distant hope. I was like, man, look at this. It's inspiring what I do with my time, my talents, my treasures, where I spent my money, where I gave my time. It started to change that. Are, are, are you still going to bars and drinking the way you used to, Tim? No. No, I don't give my time to that stuff anymore. There, there's nothing redemptive and productive in that. Why are you spending days and weeks on mission trips in Korea or Bangkok or Venezuela or the Dominican? But because I've been born again to a living hope and it's changing where I spend my time now, it's determining where I do, I, I do life at now. Why? Because I was born again to a living hope. It changed the way I saw myself. It changed what I valued. It started to change what I gave my time and energy and attention to. Does it still work that way? Yes. There's a lot of things that don't get on my plate. There's a lot of things I'm not going to give my time to. Because it's God's time and I've been called to steward it because I've been born again to a living hope. Now, I started thinking through. Like hope brings about change and transformation. But think about where you're at today. God wants to bring living hope. He wants you to fix your mind on the hope that is to be brought to you. The confident anticipation of a favorable outcome under God's care. The guarantee that what he's done in the past is he's shown himself to be faithful. You get to participate in what he's going to do in the future. I started thinking about this. People with hope have meaningful relationships. People that are hopeless, people that are defeated, people that are downcast, you start to look at the relational traction around them and you go, there's not a lot of strong relationships. Why? Because they're not walking in hope. People that are walking in hope are more productive. I want people that are hopeful on my team. I, I want people that are hopeful. They're living with hope. They're, they're pressing into God. They're just more productive. Why? Again, because they value the right things and they see themselves the way God sees them. Don't, don't miss this. People with hope, they're able to overcome stress a lot quicker. People with hope are more successful. They're just more satisfied. They've got more peace and joy inside. People with hope are more compassionate. That they believe that God has graced them 
And so not only have they embraced the grace of the gospel, but they're more apt to extend it to other people. Why are you so compassionate? Because I have hope. I'm more willing to help other people in need because I have hope. People that have hope physically are healthier. They're just healthier because they're not eat up with all of the stresses and the worries. People with hope live by higher standards. Don't you want to raise your ceiling? Don't you want to raise the bar of what you think you're capable of doing? People with hope are more likely to assume leadership positions. People with hope, they see God as loving and caring and forgiving and tender. People with hope, are you walking in hope today? Where are you in your journey? Seriously. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. People that walk in hope are pressing into truth. People that are walking around today hopeless are more apt to accept lies from hell. And I just started going through scripture that God has used in my own journey. Now please, please write them down. Write down the reference over this next week. Saturate and meditate on these truths. But I promise you, these are life-changing truths that God placed in me over the years that have changed my journey. Are you accepting a lie or believing a truth? I mean, that's the question, right? Do I, do I really believe biblical truth or am I willing to accommodate and accept lies from Satan? I started thinking about people that live in fear. Man, I'm, I feel inferior. I feel insecure. I feel inadequate. I, I, just, don't, I just don't know, Tim. I, I'm, I'm inferior. The scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear. God's given you a spirit of power and love and of sound mind. Do I accept and accommodate a lie or do I believe truth? No, I'm going to believe truth. Tim, I'm a failure. I, I'm royally jacked up, man. I come from a, a jacked up family. I mean, if you, if you saw this family portfolio over here that I came out of, man, we're jacked up people. But in Christ, Romans 8.37 says, in all these things, you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loved you. If God is for you, who can be against you? And I have to walk in the victory of the freedom of Christ saying, I have hope because I'm going to believe what God says. Man, I'm flooded with anxiety. I worry all the time. I can't relax. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. 1 Peter 5, Philippians 4. Did you memorize those? Yes. Why? Because I live in hope, and hopeful people believe truth. They don't accept lies. We, we have to get rid of the lies. Isolation, man, I feel alone. I feel like a lone ranger. I'm in this thing by myself. Hebrews 13, God says, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll never forsake you. I'll never, never depart from you. Do you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Guilt, man, I just live flooded with shame and guilt all the time. Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. I'm telling you, I used to live defeated even those first weeks and months as a believer because of the junk that I had done in my flesh patterns apart from Christ. And I started moving into truth. Are you going to believe 
biblical truth or are you going to accommodate the lies from hell? That you are what you used to do. Or are you really who God says you are? Man, I had to change the way I thought. Man, I'm stressed out. My life is flooded with stress in this world. You'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, John 16, Jesus said. I used to highlight all these verses. I started moving into hope, Angela. I wanted to live in hope. And I'm just weary. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. The Lord is my strength. Greater is he who lives inside of me than he who lives in this world. Confusion. Lord, I'm jacked up. I'm not real smart. I don't know what to do. He says in James, any of you like wisdom, come to me. I give generously to all people. I give to all people. You want wisdom, Tim? Yes. Don't you want wisdom? And so if you're going to walk in hope, you've got to believe what God believes about you. And you've got to believe God is for you today. I promise you, the Father in heaven is not looking down and he's not criticizing and condemning you today. He's wanting you to walk in strength and truth and peace and joy. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his classic book called Spiritual Depression, he made this observation. He said, you know, he said, too often we're listening to ourselves when we should be talking to ourselves, when we should be preaching the word to ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book Spiritual Depression said, you get inner strength by unleashing the Bible in your life. You get inner strength by unleashing the Word of God. I mean, I know we've got smartphones and iPads and everything else where you can access the Word. We've got copies of Scripture in the Connect Center. It's like grab a copy, know the Word, unleash the Word of God in your life. He goes on to say, you've got to pay attention to whose voice you're listening to. What voice has your attention? Jesus comes and says, listen to my voice. Don't listen to the voices of doubt or fear. Don't, don't do that. Don't listen to the voices that say it's too late. You've messed it up. Don't, don't listen to those voices. Listen to the voice that says, come to me. All you who are weary, tired, and burdened down. Trust me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge that I'm God. I'm here. Let me lead you. Let me lead you. You've got to pay, you've got to pay attention to whose voice that you're listening to. So I encourage you today, as you contemplate, like even where you're at, as you walked in here this morning, life has a way of kind of beating us up and kind of shredding us at times, all of us. And I've been tired lately. I've been tired, not just, just with physical stuff, but just with stuff I'm dealing with, with family, with friends, with people that I love. And, and just seeing some of the choices and the decisions that people around me oftentimes make and the collateral damage that I have to deal with because of that. You, 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 you've dealt with that too. There's people in your life that you love and you're like, they just walk with no hope. And I want to be, I want to be that giver of hope. And I want to live that hope out in front of them. I mean, I'm walking with people right now that are going through this Thanksgiving Christmas season for the first time without a, a spouse or without a mom or without a dad or without a child. And it can be a very tough time. And I want to be that person that walks in and extends the hope of the gospel.
Don't you? Because I'm walking in hope. I can extend that hope. I'm going to hurt like you do. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We can grieve and mourn as hopeful people to say, hey, God is still with us. Let's press in. Okay, so we're going to move into a time of prayer, into a time of communion this morning. And I don't know what your need is. I don't know what you're battling through. But I'm so glad you're here today. And I pray that you would press into the hope of the gospel. I pray that you would let Jesus love on you and be enough for you. And I pray that you would find your peace and resolve in him and not in the pain or the pressures or the chaos that you've been going through.